The Spectator magazine combines incisive political analysis with books and arts reviews of unrivaled authority. Subscribe today for just £12 and receive a 12-week subscription in print and online, plus a £20 Amazon gift voucher, absolutely free. Go to spectator.co.uk forward slash voucher. Welcome to Holy Smoke, the Spectator's religion podcast. I'm Damien Thompson. The hospitalisation of Pope Francis for breathing difficulties, as I speak he seems to be on the mend, has distracted the world's media from developments at the top of the church that would have been inconceivable at any point in the past 2,000 years. Having already divided over the subject of blessings for gay relationships, which are already happening in Germany, The Catholic Church is, for the first time, seriously contemplating the prospect of women priests. The key figure here is Cardinal Jean-Claude Hollerich, who's Archbishop of Luxembourg, which in itself, as you can probably guess, is not a particularly big deal. But he's also head of the European Bishops' Conferences and Relator General of the Synod on Synodality, and has just been appointed to the Pope's Council of Cardinals. And this week we heard the unmistakable sound of him turning the handle of the door marked women priests. In an interview published on Monday, Cardinal Hollerich said women's ordination wouldn't happen under Pope Francis, who didn't want it. But that was just a bit of rhetorical throat clearing. I mean, for goodness sake, even to begin such a process would take years longer than this pontificate has got left. His precise words were that once women are given more authority in the church... Quotes, maybe we can see if there is still a desire among women for ordination. The Cardinal was speaking to a Croatian Catholic magazine, and the interviewer naturally pointed out that St. John Paul II, in his 1994 apostolic letter, Ordinatio Sacerdotalis, ruled definitively that the Catholic Church does not have the authority to ordain women. Yes, said Hollerich, but he wasn't sure it was an infallible statement, and while true for its time, it is a future pope who will have to decide the matter. But I mentioned that Hollerich is a Jesuit. Now, this doesn't mean that the Catholic Church will ordain women priests in the near future, and Orthodox Catholics will be quick to point out that, in their view, any body that does so at any time will, by definition, not be the Catholic Church, which by its very nature is incapable of embracing a heretical teaching. So we can be 100% sure that women priests would split the church. But in the long run, having watched years ago what seemed to be a powerful and implacable Anglican opposition to women priests basically just evaporate, I don't think it's inconceivable that whoever inherits the current structures of Catholicism will nonetheless ordain women, first as deacons, citing some dubious historical precedent, and then as priests. How well I remember those Anglo-Catholics who said rather desperately, well, women deacons don't mean women priests, you know. And then a bit later, well, women priests don't mean women bishops. Is actually an unstoppable process, even if rather a lengthy one. And supporters of Catholic women's ordination have already factored in the split, confident that when it's all over, they'll be in the majority. Let me go out further on a limb and say, 
Pope Francis is not significantly opposed to either women priests or a Valtfass on Catholic teaching about homosexuality. These are not innovations about which he's personally enthusiastic, and he goes through the motions of affirming his predecessor's teachings on these subjects. But it is going through the motions, because if you really take the view of Popes John Paul and Benedict that these changes are against the will of God, then you don't promote Hollerick, a sotto voce supporter of women priests and gay blessings, to a position of wide-ranging authority in the church. Authority, indeed, over the bit of the church, the synod of bishops, that's charged with debating the subject of change. And it's not just Hollerick who's been promoted. At the end of January, the newest cardinal in the United States, Robert McElroy of San Diego, a favourite of the Pope's, said that the forthcoming synod would address the subject of the ordination of women to the priesthood, and also suggested that Catholic Eucharistic teaching might change to accommodate people in sexually active gay relationships. This provoked an immediate furious reaction from the Catholic Bishop of Springfield, Illinois, Thomas Paprocki, who accused Cardinal McElroy of heresy. And it isn't something that happens every day, and it's a measure of how grave the crisis is in the church at the moment. There was then a flurry of commentary from nervous, conservative Catholic outlets arguing that McElroy was putting himself at odds with Pope Francis and the Synod organisers, and they quoted Cardinal Holrick from last year to the effect that the Synod is not meant to change doctrine but attitudes. But it's now perfectly clear from Holrick's own later comments that he sees changing attitudes, as he calls it, as a prelude to changing doctrine. And the Pope knows it. And these conservative Catholic journalists know that he knows it. They just prefer not to say so. The fiction of Francis's fidelity to the entire magisterium must be maintained at all costs. At this point, we also encounter the argument that Catholic doctrine, as such, can be developed but not changed. Yet what Cardinals Hollerick and McElroy and countless Western European bishops are proposing are changes of doctrine, whereby acts that were once considered sinful are no longer considered sinful, even in theory. And on the subject of women priests, one of John Paul II's most authoritative statements on the impossibility of ordaining women to the priesthood is dismissed as probably not infallible by Cardinal Hollerick, who unlike his fellow Jesuit, the Pope, is a distinguished scholar. And, it has to be said, he's making an interesting point. I remember when John Paul's definitive statement on women priests came out, everyone who agreed with it stressed that, while not a formally infallible pronouncement, no Pope since Pius XII has made one of those, it should be regarded as such, and therefore the Pope had ended the prospect of women being ordained to the priesthood, or, if you like, masquerading as priests, for all time. And I remember thinking, well, if the Pope wanted to make sure of this, he should have slapped the label of infallibility on it. He didn't, and now his successor but one, while proclaiming his own fidelity to John Paul's ruling, is creating and empowering cardinals who think that ruling can be reversed. It's true, admittedly, that Holerich was made Archbishop of Luxembourg by Benedict XVI, but he'd have lost that job pretty quickly if he'd expressed his current views during that pontificate. And anyway, who decided that Luxembourg was a cardinal see? 
or San Diego for that matter? The answer is Pope Francis, of course. These were political elevations, giving red hats to bishops known for their progressive views. Francis might not feel able to agree publicly with those views because he doesn't hold them or doesn't care or, honestly, you never know where you are with him. But he hasn't said a word to reprimand these very close allies for departing from a magisterium to which he seems only casually attached. And I'm not sure there's any precedent in Catholic history for this situation. Look at how St Paul VI agonised over every detail of the changes made by Vatican II and compare his behaviour to the shrugs, winks, nods and score-settling of this pontificate, a modus operandi by which momentous changes to pastoral practice are waved through on a local level and previously unthinkable doctrinal innovations are slapped onto the church's agenda in the course of an interview by one of the Pope's protégés. Here's another example of that sort of thing. Arthur Roach, the exceedingly ambitious cardinal in charge of the new and horrifying crusade against the Latin Mass, has announced that the ancient liturgy is no longer appropriate because the Church's Eucharistic theology changed at Vatican II. It did. That would have come as news to one of the Council's most influential theological advisers, Joseph Ratzinger, who, as Pope, meticulously and brilliantly spelt out the fundamental compatibility, as he saw it, of the old and new forms of the Roman Rite. Compare his hermeneutic of continuity to Roach's assertion that Paul VI had abrogated the old Rite. It's simply not true. But under this pontificate, as in Orwell's 1984, he who controls the present controls the past. Samorum Pontificum is already in the waste paper basket, replaced by Traditionis Custodes, a vindictive document against the Latin Mass written in obvious haste and now supplemented by Roach's fantasies about a great Eucharistic reset at the Second Vatican Council. It would, of course, be an exaggeration to say that everything is up for grabs, but it does sometimes, in fact often, seem as if the Catholic Church under Francis is moving in the same liberal direction as the mainline Protestant denominations, and as a result will face the same consequences, which, however much the details vary, are never very satisfactory. The United Methodist Church in the United States, for example, has just waved goodbye to nearly 2,000 churches that have joined the new conservative global Methodist Church in protest at its acceptance of same-sex marriage. That's about 6% nationally, so it's hardly a full-scale schism, but in parts of the US, such as Texas, the denomination is losing up to half of its churches. Ah, say the Catholic Conservatives, but we're different. You're not taking into account the doctrinal orthodoxy of many younger Catholics. When the boomers die off, traditional beliefs and worship will return. I'm not so sure. Are younger Catholics as deeply attached to an all-male priesthood and the notion of intrinsically disordered homosexuality as they are to traditional spirituality and liturgy? The gravitational pull of the secular consensus can be very hard to resist. And if you try to resist it, you can easily end up embracing sectarianism. It's already happening in America, where some countercultural conservative Catholics are embracing a lifestyle virgin on the Amish. But if we look at ordinary Catholics instead of a small band of enthusiasts, 
we find clear support for women priests in, for example, the UK, where 59% of mass-going, not nominal Catholics, are in favour. In the United States, the most recent survey data I could find from 2015 suggested that 45% of mass-going Catholics supported women priests. But it wouldn't surprise me if that number has drifted upwards in the intervening years. Now, these figures, along with those showing substantial support for gay blessings among Catholics, would be less meaningful if the magisterium of the church really were non-negotiable on issues of sexuality. The problem is that belief in the consistency of Catholic teaching increasingly requires a leap of faith, one that's difficult to make when the Orthodox see a synodal process being hijacked by liberal opportunists with the approval of the Pope. And I do mean opportunists. It may well be that the causes which Cardinals Hollerick and McElroy are cautiously endorsing are indeed supported by the majority of mass-going Catholics in the West. But the Synod agenda leans heavily on a survey of the people of God that involved a tiny percentage of churchgoers. And this is supposed to reflect the workings of the Holy Spirit, a secular institution that made such a grand claim to voters or customers on the basis of such slender evidence would find itself in trouble, possibly legal trouble. I said earlier that what's happening under this pontificate reminds me of mainline Protestant churches drift leftwards. But in a sense it's worse, because I can't think of another denomination which relied so heavily on sleight of hand. Here's another example. In an article for the Catholic Thing website published last Monday, the canon lawyer Father Gerald Murray drew attention to new canonical norms for the Synod of Bishops, which will take effect at the Synod on Synodality. Pope Francis has announced that all who are named participants in this upcoming Synod will have the vote. And thus, as Father Murray points out, it ceases to be a synod of bishops and becomes a synod of bishops and men and women not in holy orders. And I might add, almost certainly including representatives of the hardline liberal pressure groups that dominated the so-called survey of the people of God. Father Murray writes, This innovation must be resisted by the church's bishops. It conflicts with the dogmatic teaching of the Church on the nature of the sacrament of holy orders, in particular, the nature of the episcopate. But this undermining of the nature of the episcopate, as Father Murray correctly describes it, is a personal initiative of the Pope himself. And so, albeit indirectly, is the undermining of Pope John Paul II's ruling on the impossibility of women priests, even if Francis says that he supports it. In the new dispensation, as set out by his closest associates, that's simply the view of Popes John Paul and Francis, which a future Pope may choose to disregard. And so, eventually, we can't say when, Ordinatio Sacerdotalis may join Samorum Pontificum in the waste paper basket. And it's quite possible that the ordination of women priests will enjoy the support of a large majority of practising Catholics, even in the long run, in the supposedly conservative developing world. I think we really must stop assuming that, say, African social conservatism is set in stone. In which case, the minority of Catholics who hold an orthodox view may have to ask themselves a very painful question about where to look for guidance. To scripture and tradition, or to the Holy See. <laughs>